Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, always wonderful to start our week with you guys with the 50 and 60. You're going to do Eastern Conference here. And let's get right to it with the Indiana Pacers, who Liam asked to do this week. So let's uh, let's get their fundamentals first. Sure. So Indiana, 4-3 and three since the last 15 and 60, 12 and 11 overall, net rating of negative 0.1, that's 16th in the league, offensive rating 109.3, 6th in the league, and defensive rating 109.3, 21st in the league. So I'll just run through a couple of things they do, you know, you know well and some things they don't do so well as a team so they're third best in the in the league at not turning the ball over uh 25th in the league in three t- point attempt rate so they're not taking a bunch of threes but they're really good at shooting them they're 40 percent from three third best in the league um and second best for in, in the league from mid-range at 44 percent. so they're shooting it really well right now yeah uh, who, who's shooting who's shooting so well for them uh bogdanovich is shooting really well uh i can scroll down and get the number here but um yeah he's 60 uh 44 from three 63 percent true shooting percentage uh miles turner's been really good from you know outside he's been struggling at the rim but uh i think he's close to almost 50 percent on threes um so and just throw that in with victor oladipo too collison's been all right i mean they've got a lot of guys that are shooting like pretty well and i not guys that are known for like being great shooters you know historically so i wonder if that's gonna sustain but they do have some you know stretchy big so maybe that maybe that could keep up some but uh yeah um and just, just well well so so the the other thing i was going to add in there is that what makes them different from a team like miami is that none of their three-point shooters who shoot high volume are bad like you know oladipo is doing well darren collison because like when i was i was doing miami's we'll talk about them later you know nobody who shoots more than two and a half threes a game for the pacers right now is shooting below 33 percent and only that guy is below 37 yeah lance stevenson is even somehow up to 33 percent now on three-pointers <laughs> yeah that game where he had two where he had two like almost back-to-back against the Pistons in that in that yeah, and, and another part is they've kind of cut down their rotation so they're really only playing you know NBA caliber guys I don't know Lance Stevenson's probably the worst guy they play they've been playing eight man eight people in the rotation the uh, Leafs been out for a while so it's really their main guys that are getting a lot of minutes so it kind of helps to have you know fewer weak links in their rotation uh one thing I wanted to ask you guys about that's just the most interesting thing that they've been doing is in the last in the three games that I watched they had Bojan Bogdanovic guarding like the primary wing score on the other team so he was guarding James Harden um, DeMar DeRozan Evan Fournier as the primary assignment and they were using Victor Oladipo more as an off-ball guy trying to wreak havoc as a help defender so I wanted to get your guys thoughts on you know if that's a good idea for this team if that's something you would do or just you know in general you know is that something you know the value of a help defender versus an on-ball guy on the wing well I'm not sure that Oladipo is really that good on ball frankly and when you also consider now how important he's become offensively I think they feel 
I mean, it says it is to say that maybe Bogdanovich really is their best guy out there. At least he has the size, you know, and I think that there's something to that, maybe especially against Harden and DeRozan, guys who really like to use their bodies a lot to have someone who just has a little bit more size and heft on them. But, you know, I, I didn't watch either of those games. How did it turn out? Uh, not not so good. I mean, those are two really good offenses. So, you know, most teams are going to struggle sure. against them. But, uh, I mean, when Bogdanovich wasn't getting scored on, he was usually like a step or two behind he just he doesn't have much speed to keep up with these guys and pick and roll and you know it kind of bend the whole defense towards them and help and you know give up a lot of threes off that which those are two teams that shoot a lot of threes but you know I was just I was interested because Victor Oladipo is really good on the weak side as far as you know you know making covering a lot of ground you know he can tag the roll man and sprint out to the corner he's really good at that he even had a couple blocks at the at the rim so like there there are things that he can do well defensively I I I agree with you he's probably a little bit overrated on ball defender and he, he lacks some size but I, th- I think he would be a better option than you know Bojan on primary guys. But it also factors in the offense. Uh, like you said, they're trying to get him more of a rest, and he's carrying a huge burden offensively, thirty percent usage, and just you know carrying the team on offense for large stretches. So I, I, I get that side of it too. So I was just you know it's it's interesting to me because I feel like you don't you know see many you know teams putting on putting a worse defender than Bojan Bogdanovic on a guy like James Harden. So. Yeah, I mean, there's always the two schools of thought on these guys, right? Is either you let him get his and then you shut down everyone else or you try to stop that person. It seems like maybe that's more the idea in Indiana. But their defense has not been very effective this year. And what have we seen from Miles Turner in his third campaign now where the hope was that he was going to really blossom into this premium defensive player? So, I mean, he, he, does, he does protect the rim really well. He has a good sense to rotate you know bother shots he, he's good anticipation and, and the one thing I think the Pacers coaching staff deserves a lot of credit for is just teaching verticality because that's something that him and Sabonis do great even though Sabonis doesn't have great tools like they go straight up and they don't foul a lot which is you know really important for good rim protection the problem is um other teams are shooting you know and they're defending the first shot well and then a lot of times they'll give up points off the putback I think they're second worst in the league on giving putback points so Turner's might have to do a better job of being able to contest the shot and get back in the play but uh he, he's not great on the perimeter still he's reluctant to go out to the three-point line at all whenever he's put in a pick and roll situation or has to guard pick and pops um i think vucevic got him with uh at least one or two open shots when they played the magic um I, I, I've been impressed with his progress in passing. I mean, he's, he's not good there, but I think I think I saw some more passing from him than I have in past years. And if he can just be like a guy that makes like simple reads off the roll, you know, hitting the opposite corner or just a simple dump down to a guy when, you know, the big comes to help. So just just stuff like that. I, I thought he showed a little more willingness and it's still not great, but, you know, that's those are important, you know, keys for his development if he's going to be, you know, a, a star type player. Uh, a couple other things I saw, he's not a great role guy. He got stripped on a couple roles and he's just not, he doesn't have a ton of bounce and He's not really fast sprinting to the hoop, but he's still okay on those plays, you know, 1.2 points per possession on those. So he's still an effective guy. Yeah. And, and, and it's a guy when you're doing a lot of pick and pops too, that's actually, that's not a bad. Right. Number. And, and, you know, touching on that, most of his scoring or most of his efficient scoring is coming from the outside. He's 53% from the mid range and 39% from three. And at the rim, he's awful for a big, he's 49% at the rim. So he still doesn't have great touch in there and just vertical pop. So those are some things he's got to work on. But overall, I, th- I thought, you know, some signs of development you know i i don't know if he's going to reach you know star player type but what what are your thoughts on him well the thought always was i was never really a believer that he was going to be some post-up guy and i think he's been about what we expected in that area i really believed in his jump shot 
and he's been good there and you're right that his finishing around the rim is not great he's only got 10 dunks on the year i know he's only played 15 games but so you would hope to see more of that from him. so he's not really like a great alley-oop threat i think if he really has time to load up like he had that one dunk last year against cleveland in the playoffs that was pretty awesome but usually and especially if he has any kind of contact at all he's not able to explode it and that's why he's so miserable as you mentioned finishing it through so i think he could be you know is he going to be an average starting center or can he really get there in terms of his mobility on the perimeter and it looks like that's really his pick and roll defense is the biggest issue because he certainly is not really going to be a switch guy and so if he's going to only kind of be an average pick and roll defender or or below average then you know maybe he's not going to quite meet the expectation he's the number 11 pick so they shouldn't be that high but we thought about oh man this guy can shoot the ball like he's such a great rim protector like he's going to be a a star if he can't get better defensively that may not be in the cards yeah I mean I was higher on him than you were because I thought of that two-way potential with him another thing that I'm keeping an eye on with him you talked about their rebounding overall I think some of that is also attributable to just the fact that they're playing largely small guys they're playing like one traditional big a lot of the time and I don't consider Thad Young you know like a traditional four he's getting to be more of a new age four but so Turner this year he has a 24.6 percent defensive rebound rate that's good if he can keep that going yeah. then I think he'll be okay yeah but but, but I think that the rebounding when he's on the floor is not great I mean he, he's never gonna right be exactly like a box out think, guy I, you know oh, so I think I think part of that's just the personnel they got playing around him like Bogdanovich and Collison aren't, aren't like great rebounding guards so that's part of it but well, what were you gonna say Danny well, so I mean, but the other point is that I think if he can hold at this level, then and and you can get some other rebounding at the other spots, you're okay. But this is a high for him by a little ways, and he is getting a little bit better about over pursuing on blocks. That was a big criticism of mine early in his career. So I still think he could be a contributor. But yeah, that idea of him being like a true all star type big is is maybe not there. But I still think he can be top half of the league, and that's really nice. You know, it's good to have. Yeah, but but he's going to be extension eligible this summer, and you know, I think if they're going sign him to a max contract i would say it's more likely than that that he would not provide that level of production later on in his career uh what have you seen from sabonis liam so sabonis so far uh I, he got a lot of buzz early in the season for you know kind of breaking out as part of that Oklahoma City trade, and I think I think he's a valuable player. The starters w- have actually been better with him in the lineup than they have with Turner, uh, net rating wise. But just a couple things on him: uh, he still has a really weak lower body. Anytime he gets bodied up like against a defender, but he um he he can't finish, and he doesn't have a lot of you know a lot of vertical pop. And like he does have good touch on those finesse hook shots around the hoop, and he can finish those really good. But like whenever he has to finish through contact or through several bodies, I think he's not as strong. But he does show a lot of, you know, really intelligent plays on the court as far as just small things like changing the angle of the screen, good timing on rolls. Uh, and for, for me, I know that he's not, you know, here obviously, but like I thought he did, you know, some, some Gortat-like stuff in the pick and roll as far as just feel and understanding where to roll. And part of that helps is he's playing center with a, with a pretty spaced floor. So that's definitely a part of it. How has it looked when they've played he and, and turn together? You mentioned they're only playing the eight guys. They don't really have a backup four outside of him. So he's got a play some with the with Turner in addition to playing center himself how's uh, that encouraging looked? defensively uh 104 101.4 uh they can uh with the defensive rating and 1.8 net rating overall in 78 minutes so it, it you know that hasn't been that bad and they're just learning how to play with each other I think defensively that does have some hope like Sabonis has some serious weaknesses defensively but like I said before he's pretty good at verticality in the lane as far as just bothering shots and the technique of that and positioning uh, he doesn't have a lot of length and you know he's not that athletic so he's not going to affect things there the the thing is when he's when he's 
Yeah, maybe he could be kind of like a Cody Zeller type of, of defensive player. You know, maybe maybe that you know short arms, but better mobility than advertised coming out of school, and good feel can get his chest in the way. Yeah, of, he had of some drivers. plays mobility wise where I thought were encouraging, and then he had other plays where he was just getting absolutely blown by on switches or even drops in the pick and roll. And some of that was he's playing against good ball handlers like Harden. Got, Harden was really killing him a couple times, but uh, I I don't know if he's great on the perimeter yet. But that's something maybe he can get a better feel for angles and you know footwork wise maybe getting a better stance so but yeah well it's tough because he's got the short arms i mean like if you can't lay back and then hope to contest with your long arms it it can get pretty difficult right and another thing he's done really well is compared to oklahoma city and his role is so much different than in oklahoma city where he's playing a lot of four and he wasn't getting a lot of shots and or playing with the space floor but his his rebounding rate has really skyrocketed uh since he's been with indiana offensive rebounding rate jumped from 2.5 percent last year to you know 12 percent this year defensive rebounding rate 14 percent to 22 percent this year so and the Pacers aren't a strong rebounding team still but that's he's holding up you know decently at least as a center on those second units yeah last thing on him just looking at some of his sets you know I talk about how he's like a Zoolander player he only can can go one way and that way is always to his left hand to his right shoulder at all times on post-ups most of which are coming off of switches he goes to his right shoulder over 90 percent of the time whether he's on the right block the left block flashing middle whatever it is and the rare times that he does go to his left shoulder he still tries to like go for a weirdo scoop shot with his left hand and and that is extremely rarely effective so you know at some point it would be nice if he could fix that but considering that he has been this effective without ever going to his right hand or to his left shoulder uh, is rather impressive yeah and and another thing he's doing really well he's getting a lot of fouls 20 percent of his shots he's getting fouled on so he's getting to the line a ton and a lot of these a lot of these you know changes and how how he's playing are you know due to the difference in role from Oklahoma City to Indiana but it is encouraging that you know you could get a you know a quality you know rotation player at least out of this guy so last thing on them they're 12 and 11 right now offensive rating is sixth which is almost 20 spots higher than I would have predicted before the season you mentioned they're shooting the 44 percent for mid-range 30 or 40 percent on threes uh second in the league in both categories you have to imagine that's going to regress to some degree although as you mentioned and Danny did too some of these guys who are taking these shots are pretty good shooters where do you think they if you had to say all right for the from now until the rest of the year what are they going to rank in offense what's closer to like I don't know 16 15th around there they just if they get if they get one injury because they're, they're playing an eight-man rotation yeah. they don't have like guys on the bench where like oh you think that could be a you know rotation guy with tj leaf and you know joe young ek and abogu like they don't have like yeah maybe al jefferson could play some backup center for and, him, but yeah other than that no they Victor really Ol- don't have anybody oh, well i'll add one thing they're gonna get gr3 back eventually and you know he he's not the greatest shooter in the world broadly speaking but he has hit his threes on a low number of attempts the last couple of years but i do think that he will hurt their offensive numbers a little bit and help and their defense for victor numbers, maybe a little to bit keep more up the that. shooting that he's had recently i think he's shooting 49 percent on pull-up threes like that there's there's no way that's gonna last so you can expect some regression there even if he's still gonna be a you know quality go-to option on the steam holiday shopping can be tough but thanks to movement spelled mvmt they even cut out the vowels in addition to the middlemen in their process that gives you awesome watches starting at just 95 dollars. they're great for anyone in your life guy or girl i happen to really like their 40 series which stands for 40 millimeters it's a little bit smaller they have some larger ones as well their women's watches are fantastic my fiance has one my mom has one she bought a couple for my cousins and of course not having to go to a store is extremely easy the way to get started with movement 
just go to their main page check out their watches i think you'll really like them especially when you consider how much you're getting for the money i'm almost certain that if you go to that page mvmt.com movement.com slash cap space which will get you 15 percent off you can just scroll through their watches and you'll find one that you'll like or that someone you love would really like so now is the time to step up your watch game or the watch game for someone you love go to movement.com mvmt.com slash cap space join the movement well let's talk about that awesome philly detroit game joel Embiid, and this will be our section on both uh, philly and detroit joel Embiid and andre drummond had some words Embiid saying basically yeah you know what he can't shoot then drummond saying well you know what like if you can't even play it back to back i've missed six games in my six years don't even talk to me uh, and then uh, what did you take away of just the matchup between those two guys in that game between uh the 14 and 8 pistons and the 13 and 9 sixers in terms of the two big guys i think my biggest takeaway is just how much of a, a greater all-around force joel Embiid is on a possession by possession basis you know drummond can have some great performances he was huge in that game early in the week against boston which they won at the garden and was was originally going to be one of the focuses of the piston section for this week before everything that happened happened but i, I think the biggest place that i can describe that difference is actually on the defensive end and this i actually stumbled on this before we even planned on doing this for for the show because uh matt moore was talking about avery bradley and the idea that the pistons have defended so much better when avery bradley's been off the floor and i started looking at you know what's different and the most notable difference between those two times which largely coincide with drummond of course is that when bradley slash drummond is on the floor opponents shoot way more in the restricted area and a way higher percentage that's usually not the defensive shooting guards problem but it is typically the center's problem yeah drummond still has not really evolved as a rim protector at least certainly in this game we did not see that from him <clears throat> failing to rotate over not really affecting the shot when he did and with his great mobility i mean you just you never see him get verticality and get in front of drivers and, and cause issues there now where he was very successful the combination of he and stanley johnson who i thought played a really nice defensive game on ben simmons when simmons and Embiid would run pick and roll at johnson and drummond they didn't get anywhere and i thought that drummond his work out in the perimeter has been a lot better in particular he got a bunch of steals in this one and he is able to on simmons play him in a different way than we've seen a lot of teams do because he actually you know usually we're seeing guys go under the screen and Drummond was actually stepping up pretty hard. Now, a lot of times this is occurring at the free throw line, but because the trap in essence is taking place so much closer to the hoop and, and he would just kind of reach in on Simmons and then retreat back pretty quickly at times. Simmons was not able to really get the ball to the roll man. I thought also Tobias Harris did a nice job on the backside of coming in to help on the rolls to the basket i thought he had a nice game as a help defender throughout portions of this um so drummond he'll uh, the problem that he'll have though and uh this is why he spent the end of the game on the bench is that he gets a little too happy sometimes with those regions he does and Embiid had a couple where he just got him in including that last call which i thought was yeah. completely legitimate you know he yeah. drummond no, no, just he, he made a reach Embiid got 
three fouls on him in the fourth quarter all on just straight up isos two where drummond just reached in and, and drummond had stripped him a couple of times earlier and Embiid, which is so impressive about him is just the way he's able to adjust you know on a game to game and even a minute by minute basis he realized that he got stripped and so he was able to just move the ball around a little bit go through drummond's arm to get a couple of calls and then as you mentioned that blocking call was a totally good call that fouled drummond out of the game yeah and so i i mean overall like it, it's it's hard sometimes with drummond because he is such a talented guy and so i have to battle the idea that i feel like he he could be doing more out there in certain ways than he has full credit that his free throw shooting has gotten way better that was always a bugaboo for me with him but it is hard when the thing that is most important for a big man to do he doesn't do and remember he's also a phenomenal defensive rebounder and a phenomenal offensive rebounder so he does have that that part of this in play but you want him to really affect shots and if he was a little bit more impactful there using his athleticism then also playing you know Tobias Harris and Stanley Johnson as you're starting three and four would I I think they could be even a little bit better you know for it than they are right now yeah for Stanley Johnson it's been a struggle for him shooting in the low 30s on threes which is actually improvement from where he was earlier in the year a lot better every once in a while you'll see flashes from him handling and pick and roll like he has that big body so if he gets the advantage he could kind of use it to create space behind him and then was able to actually make a nice pass to the corner for a, a Harris three at one point but he can't really finish at the rim and he shoots the ball really kind of the left side of his face as a right-handed player and a lot of times his shot will not really be online but I, I really think he's I mean there's still a reason despite his you know his head a PER of like eight for his career or something and it's no better this year I mean, his usage is down to like 13 percent at this point and nonetheless stan plays him 30 minutes and i played more than that 36 minutes despite his two for eight shooting against ben simmons because he really is maturing into one of those guys now who can be a true you know really hold up physically due to his strength and his quick feet against some of the best wings in the nba and as we know there is just so much value in that and the east has a series of those guys i mean with Giannis and lebron and even in this game just the fact that he could be on the simmons and bead pick and rolls and hold his own i thought he did a really wonderful job yeah. and there were a lot and, of guys and simmons on- simmons only five points two of six really just did not try to attack stanley at all and he had seven assists but it really was one of the least impressive games you've seen from simmons a very passive looking game and i thought that his reluctance to try and attack stanley was a big part of that it was and there were a few other pistons that i wanted to talk about in terms of having good games and one of them is i think pistons fans can have a good idea of when i'm what when i'm watching their second unit because i say something positive about luke Kennard. i just enjoy luke Kennard. i think he does a nice job of knowing what his role is and being able to to hit his spots offensively and you know he's not as versatile like a jump shooter as reddick is now but i can see parts of that in his game and also i thought i think he makes good decisions as a passer he does does a good job with the ball in his hands and he did handle the ball at duke a little bit so i i like him in that role i wonder if he can be a starting two long term but somebody who knows what they are and can function within that at, at a wing position even if it is a straight two is still very useful in the league yeah, and he actually had some nice plays in an earlier game that I saw helping out. I think it was against the Heat a couple weeks ago where he has been a heady help defender. He was able to help in the lane against guys like Whiteside in that Heat game. He also hit like a beautiful step back three going to his right after he faked the guy in the air on a closeout. And, you know, being a rookie young guy who has that type 
of ability shooting the ball and that sort of versatility to his jump shot is impressive he had a couple of nice giant killer floaters against Embiid as well uh I also thought that the Pistons really because they could not score down the end of the game after they got right back into it they trailed big time at halftime and then had a 33 to 17 third quarter to tie it and then were outscored 28 23 and couldn't score during the down the stretch area of the fourth quarter before they kind of got into like desperation mode when they were down I thought they needed to go to Tobias Harris a little bit more they actually had some success with Harris being guarded by Ben Simmons going into the mid-range and Bede was laying back and Harris had worked well as a pick and roll ball hunter he's done very little of that this year because they run so much of their stuff from the wings partially including him as well but they really I felt should have gone to him because he did have some success against Simmons one guy who I really did not care for his game was Avery Bradley Bradley is sometimes, and depending on what fan base you're in, often confounding, not because of his defense. I mean, he he busts his ass defensively and, you know, he has his weak points as we've talked about as a help defender, but he has a very high opinion of himself as an offensive player. Yeah, he took a, a lot of tough mid-rangers in this one. And it seemed like every time he got the ball, he was flying off a screen, going a thousand miles an hour. And it really seemed like when he got the ball in any chance where he, you know, the play was for him or he was in the scoring zone he wasn't just like okay the play calls for you to throw it to this area that he shot the ball and he shot a little bit better but like he he's a guy who just I think needs to reduce his usage and he could get more efficient he's really right around the league average in efficiency despite being a guy who historically has made open shots pretty well um very interesting too that he only had 33 touches for the entire game and Stanley Johnson only had 30 so they really run a lot of stuff through guys at the elbows Tobias Harris actually led the team in touches with 91 and Andre Drummond had 50 so they were they love to run stuff through the elbows or they love to run guys off of screens and so Bradley's job is to shoot the ball more than to distribute but I thought he was a little bit too aggressive I mean he was only three of 11 but you know to find the number of good shots that he took was a uh, very small portion of that 11. Well, yeah, and something else that was interesting in this game was the way that Philly used Robert Covington because they don't really have that guy who you want on ball you know like at least at this moment you know their their defenders are you know jj reddick isn't great at that ben simmons is is not really perfect at that at this point so the, a lot of the game they had robert covington on reggie jackson and there were reasons for that obviously but you realized also the limitations of the other guys on like back cuts or on screens and things like that and they were giving up they were giving up more open shots on to cutters and then on the perimeter than you would expect from the sixers in kind of their final form few other small notes here uh we got to see some minutes of Boban Marjanovic yes uh, who to his credit by the way looks like he's still in excellent shape despite playing rarely he he, he went against Embiid they were actually playing Eric Moreland as the backup center, and he immediately got in foul trouble against Embiid. And I thought Bopin actually did okay. I think they might have been loath to go to that matchup due to Embiid shooting, although Embiid has actually shot pretty poorly from three-point range and has started actually passing those up fairly often. But I, I still think Bopin, like, if the other team has a traditional center in the game, I would give him some run. I mean, he really is, like, an extremely skilled player. He made, like, a fadeaway hook shot. He's got these huge hands, and he's got great touch and extension on his hook shot with either hand. I mean, the guy comes in and he produces whenever he comes in now granted there he's saved for favorable matchups but 
now, I mean, the sad part is if Stan Van Gundy gave him a three-year, $21 million contract, and then he's like not even willing to play him, even with John Luer out, and they've got Eric Moreland, who's a minimum guy, playing ahead of him. So uh, those damn, uh, you know, stupid GMs screwing over the coaches again. Yeah, and Boban also, one thing that amused me in this game, among many, was Joel Embiid is a very large human being. You know, saw him in person, was watching him shoot about two weeks ago. Boban was the first guy who's really made him look not small, but smaller. And I mean, the fact that he moves as well as he does for his size and the way that he has body control is impressive. I'd like to see more of him than we've seen so far. Should I do the fundamentals for the Rockets? I feel like we are sorry for the Pistons because we haven't done that yet. Well, well, let me let me do a couple more notes here. Okay, sure. First on this game, since we're in the meat of it. Yeah, I guess we should probably have brought that in earlier. But uh Drummond actually played the entire second half until he fouled out, which, and he was in foul trouble in the first half and stan took him out stan also interestingly they're already down 12 and with about two minutes left bradley and harris i think both had two fouls and in fact harris finished with three fouls and bradley actually did finish with five eventually although they had to give a lot of fouls intentionally late but they're down 12 those guys had two fouls and with two minutes left in the half he took them out and i was like hey you know that's what you do when you're up 12 you know and they ended up getting out scored 6-2 to trail by 16 at halftime but they were lucky it wasn't even worse than that like they got their only two points were on like an offensive foul by the other team going for a loose ball uh, and uh, on an offensive rebound and then philly missed like a couple more like wide open shots like it could have been even worse and i really just didn't agree with that strategy and then i guess because drummond had set out stan played him the whole time and he clearly got tired by the end might have contributed to his fouling late and drummond also he got two of his six fouls were on trying to take charges that were just like comically ridiculous attempts to take a charge and just like you know you're 6 11 and you've got a 7 5 wingspan and you can jump out of the gym like how about you just you know don't fall down and use that bulk for good instead Amen. But I'll do I'll do the fundamentals quickly for the rock for the, God. It's the second time I've done that. Fourteen and eight. Four well, and three rockets. Since last time. Rockets are like a like you know a more evolved kind of piston. Fine. Uh, net rating plus one point five. They're eleventh, tenth in offense, and fourteenth in defense. And you know the offensive part of that is still impressive to me, considering they struggled a fair amount on that end last year and have very similar personnel this year. But I, I think Reggie's been a lot better. Tobias Harris has found his stroke, and you know, and Drummond's been better too. So full credit to them they're still to me clearly a playoff team and you know i mean they've had a couple of a couple of fun wins there was that dispiriting loss also to the wizards which i don't think we're going to talk about in either section yeah they were 14 and 6 and then they had those back-to-backs playing they lost by 18 at the wizards without john wall and then that sixers loss as well i mean at least they on the second end of a back-to-back battled back from being down 16 at halftime looked like it was just gonna be a blowout at halftime um and then Philly, let's get their fundamentals before we move on as well. Oh, oh, one more thing on Embiid too, actually. Uh, oh yeah, Dylan Murphy and I were discussing like how should you play Embiid, and, and my point was when he turns and faces, you have to eat up that space. You cannot let him shoot the ball without making him put it on the floor because he'll make it. And, and he has forty-eight points on forty face-up no dribble jump shots, so he is definitely, and especially considering that's a half-court possession, that is definitely a really comfortable shot for him and then when he even takes one dribble his 
I mean, I think if there's a way to do it, and this is easier said than done, if you can crowd him initially, then as soon as he takes that first dribble back way off and then get him to shoot the ball, you know, you're probably a lot better off, at least for the time being, because he's just is so comfortable shooting it without a dribble because he knows he can get that shot off. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And one other thing we can talk about briefly, Bobby Marks wrote a, a piece going through some of the bonuses and incentives that are that are going on right now. And Joel Embiid's is fascinating. And I had for forgotten or not known all of the nuances with this but basically the trigger for him to go to the to the designated rookie maximum of 30 percent is because you can set this as long like you know you're eligible for it if you meet certain criteria but then you can set it within that range is either winning mvp or being first team all nba obviously one of those is more likely than the other and so what that does is it jumps it from a five-year 146 million dollar contract to five years 178 and would have philly lose about five million in cap space for the 2018 offseason yeah and Bodner had a good piece on this too that like with most of these teams the Wolves are dealing with this now a little bit ahead of schedule due to the Butler trade but yeah you know what it's great that they're going to have this cap space but if they use all of it on a long-term deal and then they got to pay and and they got to pay Simmons and Covington's new deal is kicking in as well eventually they're going to be in the tax and that extra five million if he does make it it could be a lot and you know I mean I think if he continues to play this way and the Sixers continue to play this way it wouldn't shock me if he gets it i mean it, the only reason he didn't make first team all nba in our opinions in our award show was just that i had aldridge as a center instead most people aren't gonna oh, i had him first team so yeah right yeah and and also with Embiid, you brought up the team part of this and that is a, a big a big arrow for him in his quiver is that it's not like any of the other best centers in the league are on these best of the best teams and the fact that anthony davis it looks like is going to be a straight four on all that like it's not going to be realistic to put him as a five then that helps so be really has to beat guys more in the boogie range which he's which he can do and if he's a contender for defensive player of the year which you and i will probably be advocating for throughout this season then that's going to be there and i'll do philly's fundamentals quickly 13 to 9 5 and 2 since last time we did this plus one net rating 21st in offense ninth in defense yeah 21st in offense is maybe a little bit lower than you would have thought that would be something maybe to dig into of like are are there combinations that are working better for them where should we go next year i'm not saying this because i necessarily want to go there but because we might as well get in some semblance of alphabetical order let's go to the hawks the hawks are five and 17 two and four since the last time we did this they have a net rating of negative seven which puts them at 23rd offensive rating is 23rd defensive rating is 27th which is disappointing for me but they have been dealing with a ton of injuries yeah Dwayne deadman now is out with a stress reaction in his left tibia he will miss three to six weeks and you have to be super cautious with that absolutely especially with the big john collins out two to three weeks they sprained ac joint in his shoulder avoided a chair thankfully and they did finally get miles Plumley back we'll we'll look at their game on saturday against brooklyn a little bit more closely but Plumley actually played pretty well uh ursinally sofa returned as well he actually drew three charges as is his want although he's getting some reputation calls because two of them were absolutely ridiculous uh and then they're even got uh tyler kavanaugh who is hit a couple of nice floaters in that nets game and you know certainly very limited athletically but has some stretch ability and was, they at least haven't been getting completely killed when he's been out there relative to how much they just normally get killed um anything you want to talk about with these guys before we get into this brooklyn atlanta game 
Yeah, since he's going to be out for a couple weeks, probably through the next 15 and 60, I wanted to talk a little bit about where John Collins has been so far, because it's flown a little bit under the radar, and I do not believe I think PER overrates John Collins because he's great at almost everything that PER measures, but he is actually leading rookies in it, uh, um, uh, among guys who have a regular rotation role that doesn't count Jordan Bell, who is, you know, he's his own thing. And Collins is doing that through being a great, great rebounder. He's number six in offensive rebounder in the entire league, narrowly ahead of Steven Adams, who is, of course, a monster on that end. And because he basically only takes shots at the rim. He has 62.6% of all of his shots that he takes are at the rim. He's dunked more times than he has taken jump shots this entire season. And it's also interesting because you think about dunks and layups and all that as being um, being heavily assisted because they often are. But because of his offensive rebounding, he's at 70% assisted in, at the restricted area, which is actually pretty impressive. But that's because they're coming from offensive glass and he's efficient there making 70% of those shots. I will get to my observations on Atlanta in the, this Brooklyn game. We'll start to sprinkle in a little bit uh, from Brooklyn as well, just so we have it on Brooklyn. 8-14, and 2-5 and five since the last 15-60, and 60, a negative 3.4 net rating which is 22nd in the NBA. It's a big gap between them and the 23rd ranked Hawks. And keep in mind, by the way, these are from Cleaning the Glass. They do not include garbage time. They might be a little bit different than the rankings on some other sites, but I think they are more accurate. The Nets down to 18th now in offensive rating, as expected with D'Angelo Russell out. They've played some games of late where they've been missing like Damari Carroll as well. Spencer Dinwiddie has really been their only healthy point guard for quite some time here. Uh, So they're 18th in offense, as I said, and 23rd in defense. So getting to this game, Atlanta led by nine at the half. Uh, They started Miles Plumlee and Ursan Ilyasova. The Nets actually, I guess, to match up with them, a little bit more the did not start Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. They instead went with Booker and Zeller, Tyler Zeller at center. And Zeller, of course, was his usual self-protecting the rim where the point. And I love when Dominique Wilkins starts making fun of the other team. And so he was just like, man, Zeller is just never going to protect the rim. And then he actually had two blocks later on in the third quarter after he said that. But Zeller was, he had a couple of like floaters that he rimmed in, but I still think Jared Allen is probably their most effective guy. And I thought Allen has a lot of potential. I think think just getting stronger is going to help his finishing quite a bit because he is so long I mean he just like can reach up and dunk the ball from pretty odd angles he had a nice finish along the baseline where he went up with one of those kind of surprising dunks where you're like oh he's floating away from the rim like he's really going to be able to dunk this he doesn't get a ton of air but he just his arms are so long uh, that he's able to do that and I think if I want to make a comparison to him I just look at him as like a John Henson on steroids is what I think he could be eventually where he's got a little bit more foot speed about the same type of jump ability but a, a higher standing reach a little bit more length even than henson i like his and touch think, better too right yeah yeah uh, but he you know he likes to shoot hook shots with either hand as well like henson does he likes to go even go more left but i think allen can eventually get to having a more normal jump shot than henson has had in his career as well yeah i'm a fan of jared allen and especially if they can get just another competent big i mean you think about how many centers are just wasting away on other teams rosters my my hope in many ways is that they can just even if it's as a salary dump they can get somebody who's better than the guys that they have largely on their roster other than jared allen and i like a lot of the things that the nets are doing they i they, they just don't have 
have the right personnel to execute it. So like you look at kind of what what you and I would consider quote unquote the right things. So taking a lot of shots from three, not shooting for mid range, running when you can, and forcing opponents to do largely the opposite of that. They do all of those things pretty well, except for shots at the rim. There's some bugaboos there because they're bigs. And the problem is that they're just they just don't have the talent to execute all of that stuff to be successful at it. So they're doing the right things, but they're not doing it. And I think we saw some of that in that game against the Hawks. Yeah, the Nets in that game, 17 of 42 on threes. They actually went cold late there as well. And their starters played pretty well. The problem was that they really got killed when they went to the bench. Karis LeVert was negative 24 in 25 minutes. They tried him and Sean Kilpatrick as kind of a tandem to make up for the fact that they don't really have a backup point guard available now. Isaiah Whitehead, who was one of the worst players in the NBA last year, only played three minutes. I think they recognize where he's at right now and that maybe he's not going to be a part of their plans for much longer. Your boy Joe Harris was 4-6 on threes. Just wanted to let you know that. Uh, And Dinwiddie had another nice game as well, taking uh, eight of his 10 shots from three-point range and and having nine assists in only 30 minutes. That's one thing that the Nets do. They really don't play anyone more than like low 30s in minutes, no matter who they are. And I think given where they are as a franchise, like why, why extend anybody at this point? But it does put them at a little bit of a disadvantage, especially right now when, you know, they really don't have much in the way of backup point guards. Um... And and another reminder yeah. of that was that Isaiah Taylor, who is, you know, was originally, you know, coming off the functionally the scrap heap for the Hawks, had another nice game, was 11 points, five of nine from the field, plus nine in 16 minutes, really outplayed those other options that the Nets had at back of point guard. And, I, you know, you understand that with Brooklyn because they have, you know, Dinwiddie was started the season as their third point guard, and he's now their starter because the other two are hurt. But, you know, you see guys like Isaiah Taylor, as good as he is, kind of beat that. You go, oh, man, they could be they could be even closer if they had that extra guy yeah luke babbitt another guy as well who played well for the hawks uh he was 20 points in 21 minutes on only 10 shooting possessions four of six from three and he especially against bad teams he just provides an extra element at the four ability to come off screen space the floor like he is just a, a wonderful shooter i think to some degree miami actually misses him a, a little bit this year he, he played an do. underrated role in their success last year uh, as i mean he started a lot of games at the four and they really were uh maybe they could have brought him back but i think he just felt like he had a better chance to play in atlanta and that's probably been correct yeah, they so added far. a bunch. Of, they added a bunch of guys. I mean, especially with Justice staying healthy and and James Johnson and all that kind of stuff. And then this was a game that would reminded me of my kind of theory of the Hawks that ended up not being right at least so far, which was that I thought they were good enough that they would slow down and eventually beat bad teams, and that that would push them kind of over that group. And it hasn't really happened so far. But I do think that if they can ever get healthier in terms of their big men, that they might do that a little more. They might do that more often than not, just not as much as I expected. Torian Prince continues to light it up from three. Four. 43% although not the highest it doesn't have a ton of guys who can get him that shot other than Schroeder who I thought had a nice game in this one again it's against the Nets but I, I thought he was making the right decision more often in pick and roll and then anytime Schroeder goes against a team that doesn't have any kind of rim protecting bigs he's going to have a big game because he can get to the rim and as, if he's not worried about getting his shot blocked he can be really effective at the basket um Torian Prince had a couple of drives and I think one of the things that's going to limit him is I'm not sure how effective of a guy he's going to be attacking closeouts compared to someone we're going to talk about in the Toronto section uh, OG Ananobi Prince really just doesn't have the explosion at the rim like he tried to go in at one point and do a jump stop move and just tried to jump just didn't have any kind of juice at all and ended up missing the layup as a result which is pretty lightly contested so that's something that may 
hold him back a little bit didn't really get a chance to see him defensively going against a big wing score in this one uh but that's something we can check in on him with him again uh a little bit uh, later on uh anything else you want to say on these two teams before we move on yeah i want to talk a, a, a brief minute about spencer dinwiddie who is having a fabulous season he so for the season he has a 109 offensive rating and you could go oh you know that a lot of that was backup versus backups and yes the nets aren't deep there but their diff- their differences aren't that big but he's he's just done a wonderful job after that even they they've scored 110 points per 100 possessions since russell went out and did what he's on the floor career high per of 18.2 half of his shots are coming from three and he's making 38.7 percent of those which is of course a career high so he's really doing the mori ball the mori ball special about 15 percent of his shots from mid-range and 12 percent from floater range the rest are threes are at the rim and he's also has a career high assist percentage and turnover percentage so those things change the don't change as much on minutes that's why the rate stats and why i like them for this and his contract situation actually parallels robert covington to a degree where he has another non-guaranteed year and they are not going to decline it to make him a restricted free agent because he is already this is his fourth year so doing that would not make him a restricted free agent so he will have that picked up for next year and it's a from what i can tell it from pincus's stuff it looks like it is non-guaranteed which actually is a little bit unfortunate for them because one option that would have been there would have been that they could have declined that team option and with an agreement in place for him to sign him with early bird and that way they could have done it after if they were going to use cap space it might have been an interesting idea for them but it sounds like they can't do that so they'll just have him at the minimum next year which will be a wonderful contract yeah although you imagine that lynn and d'angelo russell will probably both still be on the team as well we'll get to boston now 20 and 4 5 and 2 since the last 15 and 60 not playing quite as well uh still 7.5 net rating uh the offense actually has improved quite a bit since we last checked in on they were basically 20th in offense and they were number one in defense but you know that number one in defense was like a 92 defensive rating now they're all the way up to 100 so they really have fallen off in these last couple of weeks they are only 16th in defensive rating 106 defensive rating over their last seven games since we last checked in on them and a big part of that is that their rebounding has fallen off quite a bit they are last in the league in offensive rebounding and fourth worst in defensive rebounding uh in the last two weeks still number one overall uh, on defense however um and you know they had that really ugly loss at home to detroit where they gave up a buck 18 to detroit and really got hurt on the offensive glass as well what do you want to say about these guys well it feels like this is closer to what to what we expected for them and that's still a really really good team and they had that the loss to dallas in this time where we talked about a little bit on the show where rick carlisle was ruthlessly attacking Kyrie. no no they 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 beat dallas in that game it was in overtime they should have they should have lost to dallas but they they right right came back from like 10 points yeah and then when they lost the next game that's right that's what it was um but but anyway that yeah that's right dallas just folded down the stretch but the idea that they're they're imperfect in that way and they're competing hard and they're really really well coached and so you you just kind of they're they're allowing the fewest opponent transition points that's another huge factor that they have in their favor and I, i expect that sort of thing to continue so i still really like the celtics i think that they're they're far better than i thought they would be but the idea of them being world beaters winning 15 
13th straight and seeing that, you know, where they were, they were, you know, elite, elite, elite defensively and, you know, held the, held their ground offensively. I think that this is closer where they're a, a better offensive team and, you know, still very good, but not the best defensive team. Uh, by the way, I, I did misspeak it. They did not get killed on the offensive glass in that game against the Celtics only gave up eight offensive rebounds. It was actually Drummond had 20 defensive rebounds in that game. And he was also outstanding. Tobias Harris killed them as well. It's been a little bit of an underwhelming homestand for them losing to the Pistons. They only beat the Sixers in a game that was competitive-ish in the second half without Embiid. And then uh, only beat the Suns by five uh, as uh, Boston Garden terror Devin booker had a uh, had 38 points um can we take a brief second did you see the clip of that sun's defense again in the celtics game yesterday no no i didn't i'll i'll, I'll summarize it briefly so marcus smart shot in above the break three he missed it it bounced right back kind of towards him no suns even took a step towards the ball he shot it again he missed it again this time the suns kind of scrambled for the rebound al horford got it just basically trotted to the corner took the three with no one within a couple feet of him and just made the three it was incredible because four suns I think we're like just either in the paint or close to it the entire time as the Celtics are just like taking threes on one side of the floor. It was amazing. All right, I will. Uh, I'll have to look that up. It sounds fantastic. I, tweet, I, I tweeted out it was great. Uh, they've been shuffling up their starting lineup to some degree. Not sure how much of that has had to do with the matchups but when they have gone with Horford and Baines together in the starting lineup two traditional bigs they have an 11.5 net rating with that unit and then their other starting lineup with Marcus Morris in place of Baines actually has a negative 17.1 net rating I think that's probably mostly noise and that maybe part of that too is selection bias where if they're going against a team that has traditional bigs it's more emblematic of them matching up against that team than anything that like the combination of Baines and Horford together is so awesome. Al Horford having one of his best, if not perhaps his best year, his transition to the three-point line is now fully complete. 64% true shooting for him. Doesn't have a huge usage rate. They don't run as many pick and rolls for him as they did, say, in Atlanta, where you know it's easier to get a pick and pop two than it is to get a three, but obviously it's much more efficient. And their offensive rating, 18.5 points per 100 better with him on the floor. And we talked about, one of the things that we were right about is that he would be so important to what they're doing as really the lone veteran in, in a lot of these lineups. And they shoot much better at the rim with him on the floor because he's spacing it out. And he is at 44% from three while taking 31% of his shots from downtown. We can go from the guy who's shooting 44% from three to the guy on this team who has a 44% true shooting, Marcus Smart. <laughs> Smart, it, it, he's just a, a a hard guy sometimes because he does certain things exceedingly well he's a wonderful defensive player you see the impact he has on that end of the floor most possessions he's just he's versatile try so hard if he could just not take so many shots he would be an even more valuable player i mean he's shooting 39 percent the rim that should be better than that 30 percent from three I, I i largely think that's about what he is and so he has a 19 percent usage rate and he's not an effective offensive player yeah and you'd like to see him but part of why I think he's doing that is due to the contract situation. You'd like to see him reduce that. And I think they should really try to get the ball when Horford and Irving are out of the game, try to get the ball to Tatum and Braun a little bit more. I mean, it's a very equal opportunity offense, but when Horford has been out and Kyrie has been out, they have not been very effective. And so 
maybe try and see if Brown and Tatum can stretch their legs a little bit more offensively because we know that Marcus Smart can't. All right, let's uh, move on here to the Charlotte Hornets. They are 8-13, and 2-4 and four since the last time we checked in on them. They have a negative 0.9 net rating. That's 18th in the NBA. They are 15th in offense, 19th in defense. And I think the biggest thing that's a concern for them is i don't understand why their defense should be this bad like they have better personnel and then you throw in that they have a coach who has usually done a pretty good job on the defensive end and steve clifford to be 19th in defense and it's not like they're giving up a huge uh percentage from three that would be unsustainable they just can't stop people right now and that's really a concern it is and some would point to you know Nikola Batum has only played in eight games but Jeremy Lamb is not a sieve defensively I mean that was actually a strength of his back yeah. at Connecticut he's, yeah, he's not great know. he's not great like I uh, but I don't I don't think that's the reason like uh, the absence of Nikola Batum is the reason they haven't been as good defensively they also have you know traditional centers a larger portion of the time than most teams and generally speaking that helps at least in terms of defensive rebounding and rim protection. The other the other thing that kind of concerns me with them is they are so Kemba dependent. I noticed that a lot. I watched a, a fair portion of their game against the Miami Heat which Kemba missed with shoulder issue and they just they just couldn't get enough of their offense and like I thought there were moments in that game where they actually defended pretty well I think Miami only had like 18 points in the first quarter and some of that was them missing shots but I thought Charlotte did a good job and without Kemba out there they just couldn't generate enough reliable offense and then eventually Miami's Miami turned it around and ended up winning that game by I think about five and you know Kemba's having a year we both picked him for third team all NBA and the other big factor for Charlotte moving forward is that the East is better than we thought it would be you know in in terms of the playoff picture it looks right now like if they stay healthy Philly and Detroit are both going to be in the mix both those teams missed the playoffs last year and the rest of the bottom has done decently well so they might need a little bit of a better record than we thought I think they'll be better than they've been so far for the rest of the season but it's still a concern yeah they are given right now a 43 percent chance of making the playoffs heat 42 percent pacers 66 percent bucks 69 percent but i think it does seem to me like the way it's going to shape out the knicks now have fallen off a little bit we'll talk about them the magic have gone on the losing streak so it seems to me like it's going to be a three-team race between the pacers heat and hornets for the last spot in the east that would be my prediction and the pacers right now are projected to have 43 wins and the heat and hornets projected for 39 so you see where those numbers come from from 538 really one of the in looking into their defense a little bit more their bench really seems to be the issue when they go with Kaminsky as has been the case for a long time now they just have not been able to stop anyone when he's on the floor Malik Monk as well has really struggled Carter Williams they haven't been able to stop anyone with him on the floor either probably not necessarily his fault uh when they've gotten to Johnny O'Brien. They haven't been able to stop anybody there either. And and if other than that, you know, even Zeller, when they can get him out there, they're not horrible. There's and so maybe it's just that the backups are really, really killing them. And, and, you know, Zeller has missed a few games. Howard actually is second on this team in minutes. You know what's crazy? Dwight Howard has 26% usage this year. Like, would you have thought that was the case? Well, uh, turnovers count, correct? Because they end a possession. <laughs> yeah. He almost had a triple-double, including turnovers in that Miami game. Yeah, and they've been posting him up a lot. He still is inefficient there. Really, the diversity of his post game is really reduced. He is 
wants to go right spin back left uh, for a left-handed hook shot every time and he doesn't have the size where a lot of times he could do that move and just shoulder the guy out of the way and be like right in position for a dunk but he's not able to overpower guys quite the way that he used to um few other notes on their defense they're giving up a ton of threes 27th in the nba in terms of most three-pointers allowed and when dwight has been in they've deterred shots in the paint when he's been out not as much but um really their big problem is that they're fouling and then also giving up a, a ton of threes that's why they haven't been that effective and then they never ever force turnovers their conservative style that's been the case for them for a while they don't really even mkg who is supposed to be a really good defender he doesn't create a, a lot of turnovers so because they're giving have so many threes and and usually you'll see a team like for example portland right like they play a very conservative style they drop the big back they stick close to shooters and so they don't force any turnovers but they're also not giving up any threes and so giving up threes and not forcing turnovers that's a really bad combination defensively it's a very good point and we'll see if that changes at all hopefully they can be healthier for the for the next little while after kemba gets back and i think kemba's supposed to be back for their next game yes he is he is supposed to play on monday against the magic and their starting lineups have all been outstanding in Kemba. I mean, because you noted that they this team has a slightly negative net rating. Well, Kemba's net rating is 7.8. So when he's off the floor, they have a negative 16.2 net rating. And, and also, any time that Frank Kaminsky is not on the floor, they have a 6.2 net rating. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and their defensive rating with Kaminsky off the floor is is uh 100.8 wow so really uh you know that draft pick's not working out too well although I mean, it's interesting that really outside of miles turner you know a lot of the guys you would say selected in that range of kind of disappointed wasn't Devin Booker bit. in that range uh 13 he wasn't being talked about that high that's though, true at the time. that's true yeah i mean i think really well, turner... what they could have done what they could have done with that pick otherwise is the rumored trade for the with the celtics oh god yeah um last thing on them uh mkg you know just not a guy that we ever talk about anymore um you know they had that great 2015-16 that he missed nearly the entirety of and then he came back last year they struggled again it used to be that they couldn't defend without him on the floor that's he has not been as much of a linchpin he basically plays the three 100 percent of the time according to cleaning the glass and when he's out there the team of course takes 4.7 fewer 4.7 percent fewer of its shots from three and uh also marvin williams is quietly having a very nice season shooting the ball he's at 45 percent on three-pointers and uh nick batum is not at 45 percent on three-pointers he's at like 20 percent on three i think he's Shall at 22 yeah yeah he's shooting 85 percent at the rim though but he's shooting fewer shots at the rim than from three yes let's move on to the chicago bulls three and 18 they are zero and eight have not gotten a single win since the last time we checked in on them they have a negative 10.7 net rating which amazingly is only 29th in the nba they have the 30th ranked offense and the 22nd ranked defense and they've definitely been more competitive over the last few games. Yeah, it is an eight-game losing streak, but they've lost the last four by single digits. The last two by just one point were, were very close. I mean, the game against Denver, they had the lead in the final 30 seconds, and they parted the seas for Will Barton, and he had a layup. Actually made tougher by, I think it was a nice contest by Robin Lopez. And then against the Kings, they gave up, a, not the game of his life, but the game of his septuagenarian life to Zach Randolph. Randolph was 12 of 16 from 
two, just just beat them up in that. And so the Bulls are in this weird place where it's like they're they're better than I think they've been better than their record, but they're still not particularly good. And the good news for them though is that uh, Casey Johnson had this I think it was before their game on Saturday that Zach Levine is still on schedule. Looks like he's going to return late December, early January. Yeah, and also Nikola Mirotic is going to help them mm-hmm. having him back now. Whether he's going to play with Portis, I think they probably will. They'll probably have Portis just be the backup five and Mirotic the backup four and and oh, Felicio. But Cristiano Felicio has been great. Yeah, Felicio has. Uh, not been playing very much lately i actually watched him warm up when they were out in oakland and definitely did not appear to have like the most intensity to his pregame workout this back when he was playing though still and his jump shot just watching him warm up is not quite as far along as i would have hoped i mean when he was taking long jumpers he really was only hitting about 50 percent of them which you know completely uncontested in a workout setting that's not great so i hopeful that he could and he actually shot a little bit better on threes than he he did on his long twos interestingly enough but yeah felicio big disappointment there with that four-year 32 million dollar contract that seemed like an overpay at the time and now really looks like that's going to be completely untradeable um but new heritage should help them to get some more shooting we'll see the hope was that Miritic will get a chance now to do a little bit more offensively. He is made nice with Bobby Portis. A hilarious interview in which he declined to comment on the length of Portis's suspension. There had been rumors that he was refusing to play with Portis, but you know the organization basically said, "Hey, you know what? Like we're going to activate you. You better show up. You're under contract." And then you know they asked if uh he had accepted portis's apology and and he said yes and they said oh like you know does bobby know that And he's like well i guess he will now <laughs> when he like sees this interview uh yeah not good but i do think that miritich this will be a chance for him markin is going to continue to start obviously but this will be a chance for him they're just so starved for offense especially on the second unit that he can get back to that game of trying to draw fouls, get into the post against mismatches and drive to the basket and find people more than he has been the last two years, try to play more like he did when he was a rookie. I mean, it would be totally crazy to think that like he just, you know, is not the same guy. And he actually, I mean, he couldn't eat after this broken face for a while but talk was that he had bulked up to like 260 and it'll be interesting to see how that looks um is he gonna try and post up a lot more you know i I mean they're definitely the the only thing that i'm scared of danny is that they're gonna play him at the three again it's certainly possible although he would still be better at the three than anyone else they have Uh, although david nuaba is back now although he he said he's back but also acknowledged that his sprained ankle isn't completely healed at the same time which is you know anytime so you ridiculous can, anytime you can put i mean but he's a guy you know he's he was on a team option this year he's not not guaranteed uh he's fighting for his life as an nba player uh especially you know coming up on the guarantee date here so uh of january 10th so i, I think he's he, he wants to get back and play and he's gonna have a chance to play because they just don't have anyone else who can guard a three on this team and the last time we did the bulls liam talked about chris dunn's defense which when i watch them is still very good i, I love chris dunn defensively but his offensive creation game has been wildly inconsistent or more accurately his jump shot has been wildly inconsistent so these are his his shooting performances since thanksgiving two for 11 zero for six ten for 16 nine for 11 two for nine yeah we'll see i mean he definitely is a guy who will have his crises of confidence at times and basically coming back from last year when he probably it seemed like he basically was told like not to shoot essentially 
is going to be a struggle for him but you know the clock's ticking he's 24 basically already but he's shown some flashes it wouldn't shock me if he's able to become you know an adequate you know lower end point guard uh but you know not not seeing superstardom in the card yet he has had a couple of nice dunks but still not quite that like nuclear athlete variety Another point here that we should make before we move on to happier times for a happier team is that they just are awful in transition so far this year. It's genuinely impressive to a point because they're dead last in in transition points plus per possessions, which is what Quinny and the Glass uses, despite being 11th in frequency because their defense isn't too bad. I mean, they're 22nd overall, but so they they should, you know, they're getting out. They just can't score. And so it's been a big problem for them. I expect that to improve improve once Zach Levine gets back it is it is a strength of his and that you know that they're not getting any of the gimmies and that's part of the reason why their offense has been just atrocious league worst this year all right we'll get to Cleveland 7-0 and since the last time we checked in on them but first this from Indochino which will make you a made-to-measure suit for just $359 when entering that cap space code at checkout 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit with free shipping. You can either visit one of their North American showrooms. They've got one, I think, in Vancouver, San Francisco, Boston, New York, among others. Or you can go online. They'll teach you how to measure yourself. And you can pick your own fabric. You can customize it. You can put monograms on. They do shirts as well. I've got a couple of their shirts, which I really like it as well. That fit me great. And you place your order. You can customize the size of the lapels the lining really anything that you want and it arrives in a couple of weeks it's basically the same amount of time it would take to get a much worse tailoring job done at a department store and there's no way it would be this inexpensive as well i really like them my favorite suits are indochino i'm probably gonna even have them do the suits for my wedding that's coming up next year these suits fit me so much better than an off the rack suit ever would we get a lot of great compliments both from people in my personal life who i recommend indochino to as well as on twitter as well and by the way if you guys like our products feel free to send me a tweet saying how much you like it i can always forward that on to the manufacturer that's a great way to uh let our advertisers know that they are appreciated and keep them coming back so we always appreciate that if you try one of the sponsors and it works out or you know if for some reason it doesn't we want to hear all of your feedback and we've gotten a lot of great feedback from indochino once again indochino.com promo code capspace any premium suit just 359 dollars with free shipping let them know that you came from us with that capspace code all right, what's up with the Cleveland Cavaliers, Danny? The Cavaliers are 16 and 7, 7 and 0 since the last 15 and 60. I believe it's an 11 game win streak overall. They are now plus 2.9 net rating, which is ninth, third in offense, 25th in defense. And I want to start this with a general thought. If anybody is ever wondering how long the NBA season is, remember that we had this stretch of like, what's going on with Cleveland? Where are we going? Since then, they have had an 11 game win streak and we're, and they're second in the East in terms of record, and we're not even a third of the way through the year it is an exceedingly long season yeah and the Cavaliers 9.9 net rating they have turned around the defense 103 defensive rating over the course of that 11 game winning streak that is 10th in the NBA and that is totally adequate because of course their offense has been outstanding fourth in the NBA over the last 11 games slightly ahead of uh, their arch rival Warriors in fact during that time period 
Dan, would you like to guess who, what team is second in the NBA in offense over the last 11 games played? I'm trying to think of who had like a, I'm trying to think of who played the Suns twice. Um, <laughs> no, this team has not played the Suns uh, during that period, I believe. So, so you're saying the Cavs are first? No, the Cavs are fourth. Okay, Houston, the Rockets are probably Houston first. is one. Yeah. Houston is one. Who's number, the number two offense in the NBA over the last 11 games? I'm going to say, I'm going to say the Raptors because I know they had a couple of good games. The Raptors are third. So oh, good okay. guess. Should I give you a hint? We have have a mutual friend who would be very glad to tell you all about how this team is second in the nba in oh offensive tra- rating transition offense against the kings here no oh, oh no different mutual friend the utah jazz have oh, a 114 God. offensive rating second in the nba over the last now if, how if, amazing if, is if that da- if david if david is listening rest assured we're going to do an extended segment on donovan mitchell probably in the next 15 and 60 and i will i will talk about the fact that he predicted donovan mitchell would score 15 or plus points per game and i told him he was insane yeah well uh he was saying uh <laughs> we we have not been giving mitchell enough credit and in fact uh not mentioning him in our rookie of the year conversation although he did have that 40 point game afterwards uh was pretty criminal i, I sh- he pr- should have been above dennis smith probably it, it, for number four in my rankings um pretty good rookie class by the way all right back to cleveland here uh, iman shumpert another injury blow for them he will have arthroscopic surgery on his left knee he actually already had it it was successful as it always is um and he is out six so was interesting about this was they didn't they didn't give a time estimate until after the surgery and he's going to be out six to eight weeks it sounds like derrick rose is on his way towards coming back though that's always hard when it's a self-imposed exile you know it's not like well, he's he also has this, this yeah well no he is he has he's this oh that's right thing. that's right I, I, I was thinking of it more at the emotional part because that was what was being you're right though but they've done a better job of handling that in his absence partially even though he's not starting at the one or anything because Dwayne wade has been much better recently than he was early in the year yeah he's still under 50 percent true shooting so lebron when he was saying wade should be the sixth man of the year no he shouldn't uh he wasn't even in consideration for us but he's now shooting much better at the rim than he had this whole Cavs team is you mentioned that in our award show that they're shooting over 70 percent at the rim as a team right now uh he is only shooting 35 percent from mid-range but taking fewer of those shots and he's even playing more in the dunker role as kind of a cutter in these lineups that are absolutely killing the league exactly detailed this in his column over the weekend that these lineups with shooters including love at center lebron corver and then wade kind of in the dunker role lurking along the baseline have been extremely effective uh wade's still not getting the line as much as he used to but still good at it overall just for his position and oddly enough the defense is actually way better when he is on the floor teams shoot way worse at the rim when he is in the game he has blocked a few shots this year i think that's probably mostly noise and this will shock you danny opponents uh are much better in transition when wade is on the floor a major development that has never happened in his past and something that you wanted to look at is something that we've noticed you know with the eye test including on this run but also before that is that lebron james has been absolutely insane in clutch situations and so have the Cavs because cleveland has a plus 27 net rating in close games yeah 13 games in the clutch lebron 67 percent true shooting yeah that's pretty awesome even better than his season long numbers which is at like 65 percent. i mean in many ways statistically this is the best offensive season 
of his career to date but 52 percent usage so you know Kyrie has been killing it in the clutch in Boston but LeBron has been as good if not better when you consider the efficiency and the usage and LeBron used to defer a lot to Kyrie at the end of games and Kyrie certainly was excellent there but LeBron maybe even better and then when LeBron isn't scoring with that 52 percent usage he's setting guys up a ton as well uh anything else you wanted to say on Cleveland before we move on I'm excited to, to to watch them in the next little bit just to see the lineups they, they throw out there. I mean, this is still, you know, it's still not what we're looking for from Cleveland, partially because the roster is incomplete and partially just because we know that they're going to be relevant in May and June in all likelihood. And so I just want to see, get, get a bit greater sense, you know, each game because I've enjoyed when I've been watching them in this run. And now that they're going more to the lineups also with shooters on the floor, I, I love watching LeBron with spacing because some of these lineups they throw out there are just a blast. Yeah, and they actually actually despite the worst record than Boston because they have such a huge playoff adjustment in 538's system they are given a 38% chance of making the finals to the Celtics uh, 22% and double the chance of winning the title to the Celtics as well. So let's get to the Miami Heat blown out today by the Golden State Warriors despite shooting it really well from three they just could not keep up in the third quarter as everything really fell apart what are their fundamentals Danny they're 11 and 12 four and four since the last time we did this their negative 4.1 net rating puts them 26th which is distinctly not great obviously and they're 27th in offense, 13th in defense. And it's it's been a, a challenge for them offensively. It's funny, I, I wrote up a little thing about some of the problems they've had, and then a lot of that ended up not bearing out in this game. Like they were, th- what has characterized some of their offensive troubles is that they've been really high in turnovers and with a low free throw rate. And a lot of times, because those are two ways that you can lose possessions and then get easy points. And they've been better shooting since the beginning of the year, but it just hasn't been enough to uptick their offense. In this game, they only had three turnovers in the first half but just and we're shooting really well but they they ended up just that fell apart a little bit and the Warriors got better they had a crazy third quarter so it you know it, it's hard with Miami because again like kind of like Brooklyn in this way where they do a lot of things right it's just that they haven't been able to convert all of those right things into points and thus into wins yeah and that net rating is pretty scary for them negative 4.1 in non-garbage time and the offense in particular now they've had a couple of games against the Warriors that have been pretty ugly so far and especially this last one the Warriors just uh tore through South Florida but also of concern here is that it looks like Hassan Whiteside is going to miss some more time he had another MRI Thursday which revealed a bone bruise again and he said he's not going to come back until he's totally 100% he believed perhaps rightfully so that trying to play on that knee earlier may have contributed to to, uh, his continuing issues and he says you know I'm not going to miss more than a couple of weeks he he hopes uh so they started Bam Adebayo who has had some moments as a finisher not so much defensively uh, as a help side defender uh and then Kelly Olynyk will continue to come off the bench to try to give them some office offense uh, with those bench units that have struggled with, with Dragic off the floor. But it's a little bit of a problem because they don't really have even, other than James Johnson, a normal four-man uh, on this team if you're going to play Olynyk exclusively at the five, which is what they've been doing since the very beginning of the year. And they can't get a rebound without Whiteside on the floor. Their overall rebound rate, they get 47.4% of misses when Whiteside's not on the floor compared 
to 51.2. A lot of that is that they're, they're worse on both ends, but offensive rebounds drop off a cliff, which is not surprising when his primary backup is Kelly Olenek, but then with, with Bam. And something that I want to keep an eye on with them, and I alluded to this earlier, but with the difference with the Pacers, is that Miami has five players on their team that attempt four or more threes in a game. Two of them are Goran Dragic and Wayne Ellington, who are both doing really well. Ellington's over before today's game when he, I think, was, was hitting almost everything. Therefore, he's at 42% and Dragic is at 38. The other three guys, Waiters at 32%, who's taking the most on the team, Richardson at 28%, and Tyler Johnson at 30.8. So they have the they have the kind of the part of it, you know, that they have some good three-point shooters who are shooting it, and they're taking a fair number of threes, but they have these guys who just can't shoot, who are just putting them up. And we expect Josh Richardson to make more of them, but it's starting to become more of a concern. Yeah, and Richardson has shot better lately. He was at, had a 27 points on 11 of 14 over the weekend and then made half of his four threes today against the Warriors. Anything that stuck out for you just watching that game against Golden State when they're really humming, it can be tough to draw a lot of conclusions about a team, but anything that stuck out to you in that game? Two things from the Heat perspective. One, Almost all of Bam Adebayo's best defensive possessions this season have been on switches. He had yeah. one on LeBron, and then he had a beautiful one on Steph Curry in this game. Something you noted was that Curry is way better on switches above the break because there just isn't enough space when he's at a, when he's kind of in the corner, which is what happened in this sequence. But he did a beautiful job with his footwork. Curry ended up having to basically pass a flaming bag off. And then the other thing is that there were some weird stretches in this game because Curry scored he scored almost all of his points in the first and third quarter and especially in that third quarter when he started going off again when Dragic was starting possessions on him and you're sitting I was sitting there going the Heat have Josh Richardson on the floor at this time Josh Richardson is one of the best defenders of Stephen Curry in the entire league it's like it might not be where you finish on every possession especially with their approach but it damn well better be where you start yeah maybe I mean they also have Clay Thompson for him to guard and they got Kevin Durant for him to guard too so no no lack of options there and I agree with you on Bam as a help side defender I mean there's one play where Kevin Durant was on the left wing drove all the way in from the left wing for a dunk and Bam was standing uh, on the right block and just like never moved he was just like moored to Zaza Pachulia um and uh, Dion Waiters you remember he had that ridiculous game last year the juxtaposition between the game he had last year where he hit a crazy game winner and a ton of difficult long twos and threes against the Warriors versus this year when he was one of 10 05 from three for only four points uh, could not be clearer and if waiters can't produce anything close to where he was last year this team is really going to struggle on offense because it's just too much of a burden for Gordon Dragic to create everything and he's got to actually like go out of the game every once in a while too yeah there are some parallels between them and the Hornets but the Heat are just way better defensively which is part of the reason why I'm a believer in them more than I am the the, the Hornets at this point yeah it'd be very interesting to see what their offense looks like now these next couple of weeks without Whiteside let's get to Milwaukee really interesting they are four and three no i'm sorry that's wrong yeah four and three since the last time we checked in on they had desolatory losses against dallas and washington uh then they beat phoenix when Eric Bledsoe went crazy. Giannis actually missed that game. And I think part of their struggles, Giannis had soreness in that same knee that kept him off of the Greek national team in the summer. Giannis has looked much better since he's returned. And then they've actually won three straight. They had a pretty embarrassing loss at Utah defensively. And then they've beaten Sacramento and Portland on the road. Really nice win at Portland. And then a more of a close scratch out win against Sacramento on Saturday after their first game back at home 
home after the long road trip. You've watched a lot of Bucks. You saw them in person actually last Tuesday. I've watched them as well. I've seen something different from their defense in the last three games. They're relying a little bit more on on their personnel and not doing as much of the the crazy blitzing as before. And their length is just such a, a such a big problem in normal defense, especially against Sacramento. That game in sack, they were forcing I think it was ten turnovers in like the first quarter, and we're getting out. And Giannis is such a terror in transition. They were going in that way, and they did such a nice job of stifling Portland's offense. You know, some of that was Portland missing missing well, well, shots. Can, can we hit a little bit more on the uh, the potential change in pick and roll defense because of course i don't want to i don't want to say for sure that they've changed and maybe it was something with just these last three teams but you would think that against a portland team we've seen with cj and dame and really not much else in terms of playmaking that that would actually be the perfect team for them to trap the ball against right because you get the ball out of their hands and make someone else make a play and they can't do it right uh but even in that game and we're talking about basically pick and rolls or handoff plays involving their center they were bringing that guy pretty far out on the floor maybe not incredibly aggressively but they definitely in the last three games have had i think that center two or three steps further it appears than they had previously and i watched went back and watched their pick and roll possessions now there's selection bias there because this is a play in which a shot was taken off the pick and roll but on those plays they had the big backing up a little bit more and they've been really effective over the last three games again they played the kings and blazers which are not great offenses this season but over those last three games they have a 95 defensive rating and i think they just by playing more conservatively it's worked pretty well and they're still able to get those steals they will still trap on the side too that's one thing they do if you run a pick and roll on the side they will trap that hard and then not only that but they will bring a guy all the way over from the weak side eric bledsoe actually got a steal on that play against the kings you know even if the roll man is like still well onto the side of the floor where the pick and roll is taking place they'll bring a guy all the way over from the weak side to try and get that steal and they've had some success with that um so we'll see if this continues here and against some better offenses what the strategy is going to be whether they're going to really you know be aggressive or whether they're going to play more conservatively and i think that the latter obviously as we've said it works much better so i don't know i i'm i could be wrong that they've really changed their strategy but watching it on film to me it looked like they're playing it slightly differently um and that was in marked contrast to the utah game because in that game quinn snyder who always is ready for the bucks he always does a great plan against them and utah traditionally like kills the bucks uh what utah was doing was they would bring the big up and then you know the man guarding him usually henson or maker would follow and then they just have the guard just attack straight off the dribble as the big was running up super high and basically taking himself out of the play uh and and Milwaukee's guards were doing a terrible job of sending the guys into the screen and so they're just giving up these straight line drives like Joe Ingles and Rubio and Donovan Mitchell in the second half it really was ugly so maybe after that game they decided that they wanted to make a change um and even going back to the Phoenix game it did look like they were being a little bit more aggressive so this could be huge if in fact they're changing it and if in fact it, it works but you know we only have three games in to see whether it continues or not. Something else as I was going through some defensive stats, uh, Giannis has opponents are shooting 52.5% on shots that he defends at the rim. That's per, that's on the higher end, on the better end. And it's in line with the, the better defensive rim protecting forwards like LeBron and Kevin Durant. It's, it's kind of in that same realm, which isn't a surprise when he's playing the four, he's contesting about four shots a game there, which is, you know, it's fine. It's I, I, I'm, I'm happy with that. I think of him as a natural four and that's part of the reason why I do. 
Yeah, now we have seen very little of Giannis at center, only 2% of his minutes, and they have a negative 26 net rating in those minutes, uh, getting killed on D, giving up a 130 defensive rating. But, you know, that's a small enough time, and we thought maybe Giannis would play more at center, but with the departure of Monroe, but they've gone basically with Henson or with Maker. And and there's even some talk, the uh, good old Gary Werfel saying that they might be interested in DeAndre Jordan, which would be uh, rather interesting. I mean, that... would almost certainly be a rental unless they could offload very very significant amount of salary given their luxury tax concerns um why do they suck so badly when Giannis is out of the game this is something that you brought up when you had him second in MVP that they're pretty solidly in the green when he's out there and then that they're well into the negative when he sits a portion of it is just that they can't create reliable offense when he was out there. And remember, for a large portion of the season still, they didn't really have as, you know, Del Vidova wasn't a terrible backup point guard, but, you know, they didn't have the depth that they have now in Brogdon and Eric Bledsoe. But they just have these kind of weird, weird fundamental things where, you know, they're they're not they're not getting offensive rebounds when he's out they're not getting defensive rebounds either but then the biggest thing that happens is also that they just get way fewer shots at the rim a lot of that is because it's Giannis and so they, they kind of trade those for mid-range shots and they don't get fouled much anyway so they lose a lot of their bases of reliable offense and they and they also don't have as many craters you know if they get Jabari back and stagger him a little bit they can do some things but they just they, they don't have the right personnel there and to a point Brogdon I wouldn't say he struggled a little bit since the Bledsoe trade, but that might be a little bit of noise, like his field goal percentage has dropped by 6%. I think that might be more just, you know, that it's still a well, he's getting small. jacked around by kid. Too, oh, and, man. And, I mean, I mean, the fact that like he's only playing the, the fact that he's only playing 27 minutes and that they're playing Liggins and Gary Payton like any minutes, like just transfer those over to Brogdon, please. Now, I will say this, that Brogdon is probably overrated as a defender. You know, I really have yeah, been very unimpressed. So. I've been unimpressed with his defense this year I mean I think he really failed against DeMar DeRozan last year you know so he's a big strong guy but he was not really like great defending against some of those bigger dudes like DeRozan and then he's really too slow he, he a lot of times can he tries to execute he knows what he's doing but a lot of times he's just too slow to be able to direct the ball where it needs to go in pick and roll defense and then in isos he gets blown by a lot so he kind of looks strong he's a smart player but I think maybe he looks like a better defender than he actually is at this point and then last thing on them chris middleton when he plays power forward uh they have had a negative 15 net rating now a lot of that i think is compiled before the bledsoe trade and when he plays small forward they have a plus 8.6 net rating that's usually going to be with Giannis. he's gonna be playing a lot more power forward on the second unit now with Giannis out of the game but i've actually liked the way that it's looked with him and bledsoe at point guard they can get a little bit more spacing on the floor uh they've got brogdon out there too in, in some of those units maybe they could go for snell and then you know someone like thon maker you could get a, a lot more space on the floor for bledsoe in particular to work and he started cu- coming around in terms of his three-pointer shot it better starting in the phoenix game so i i think he and he's had some pretty good defensive moments in that game against uh, Dame Lillard as well. 
as they uh, beat Portland on the road. All right, that's a lot of bucks here. Let's move Wait, on. I want to say well, I want to oh, yeah. say one more thing actually. So this is you you know my my deep love of pick protection. Remember that their pick is basically they're sending it to Phoenix if it's between if it's eleven through sixteen. So that means if they have one of the two worst records of a playoff team, they will send the pick to Phoenix. It's going to be you know if they perform to expectations right now, it's going to be close, and so that will be worth watching. And then you can have the question of whether you know what you really want to whether you want to give it up this year or whatever you're going to go through that way compared to where they might be next year but it is going to be worth watching and we actually have a notable pick protection this year which we didn't really have other than that weird lakers thing with the celtics before before now so yay yeah it'll be really interesting to see whether this is like a turning point in their season these last three games or so uh, and especially i think just Giannis starting to play better again look like how he did early in the season these last few games has been huge we got, i think maybe the rest that he got uh after missing that game with the knee has helped him uh let's talk knicks here who uh when they've been healthy have actually been a very solid but uh that is collapsing rapidly because their best guys can't stay on the court these days it has been a problem so they're 11 and 11 three and four since last time we did this they have they're above water in net rating plus 0.5 is 14th in the league ninth in offense 18th in defense and that 18th in defense is a pretty significant upgrade they've moved up eight slots since the last 15 and 60 yeah now they have played a ton of home games and they haven't played against the toughest schedule either uh at one point they had played 14 to 21 at, at home lost to the magic today with Porzingis out and, and with Tim Hardaway. Hardaway scratch with a mysterious injury a lower left leg stress injury he tried to warm up and was unable to go at he was slated to play basically and this is not good news he's not going to travel with the team but if it's a stress reaction any kind anything like that I mean it's going to be you imagine at least two weeks for him defensively how have they been improved of late besides Ennis Kanter missing three games <laughs> well he was back today their defense wasn't horrible today I guess although Vucevic absolutely killed them I mean any kind of a shooting center against Cantor is going to cause major problems I think it's been at least partially an effort proposition. I think they've just been working a little bit harder on that end. And and they do have defensive talent on, on this roster. I mean, Lance Thomas had been largely marginalized, you know, in the early part of the season. Then he was a part of some of those comeback wins. And I think he's been a more consistent part of their rotation, which has certainly been a good thing. When he's been on the floor, I think Porzingis has also helped them. So you have you have a lot of different elements in play that base, the, the fundamentals are, I think, that they were better. They uh, were a better defense than the 26th they were the last time we did this. I'm not sure 18th might be a little bit strong, but remember they play two two traditional bigs. Usually that does help out. Um, Something that I wanted to note is just the ridiculousness in terms of how many centers they have. So Cameron O'Quinn both played reasonably well in this game against the Magic. Porzingis was out and Hernan Gomez still got a DNP and, you know, he was played really well for them last year. And so you have all these guys. And then of course, Noah, who actually played in a game for the Westchester Knicks over these last two weeks, you know, like they have just so many guys that play exactly the same position the problem with centers is you can't slide him over you can't slide any of these guys to the four yeah i guess noah is still on the team huh that's interesting um he's still on their books at least yeah yeah that's right uh you've noted that uh, frank milikina has played very little with chris Stapps porzingis and you know he hasn't been starting but I, it would be nice to see more of that combination together especially because i think they've had a nice chemistry late in some of those games when they were winning a couple of weeks ago but milikina continuing to really struggle he missed time again with a, another ankle injury was back today but didn't play as much uh 
uh, Ramon Sessions has been exhumed. He's back in the rotation, but all these guys are turning the ball over like crazy. Jared Jack, 21% turnover rate. Sessions, 21%. Frank, 26% turnovers. And they are 26th in turning the ball over on offense, and then they never force any turnovers on defense or 24th. That is definitely a, a major problem for them. And especially with Porzingis, I mean, that ankle injury was really scary. I mean, we thought it turned so far. I was like, oh, he might have actually like suffered a broken ankle here. And initially he was, they actually said that he was available to return then. And then I don't think he actually ended up doing that. And now he's, he's missed a couple of games, will not travel to Indiana on Monday. Uh, and so that's why with the Knicks being 500, their playoff odds are so low, not only because just the prior for them at the start of the season wasn't that great, but also just because I think you know, with Porzingis out, they have very few ways to win games. And they were really overmatched against even the Magic at home tonight. Just to put a little finer an edge on it, only 19% of Porzingis's minutes so far this year have been with Nokina on the floor. And I'm not saying that needs to be like 50% or anything, but at least a third. So just to just to get a sample for it, because the bigger point here is it's looking closer like the Knicks, you know, it's not that they have nothing to play for, but they're, you know, it's it's a different kind of kind of team. And because the other options aren't great. You know, Jared Jack has been better than Nokina overall, but there's no reason for it to be 382 with Porzingis and Jared Jack and just 113 with Frank and Porzingis. Yeah, and hopefully Nilakina will start to get more time. But I mean, with them being 500 right now, they should be doing what they can to win games. And I think with Frank being so inefficient, it's hard to play him that much. Let's get to Orlando after that triumphant win today uh, with uh, Vucevic scoring 34 points. Uh, but they are really struggling health-wise as well. Terrence Ross will miss a significant amount of time. You have to imagine at least two months. Um, sounds like that type of an MCL sprain. He also has a non-displaced fracture of his right tibial plateau. So sounds similar to what they thought Kevin Durant actually had last year, uh, but it turned out he only had the MCL injury. So, you know, two months might even be optimistic uh, for Terrence Ross at this point. Uh, what are the fundamentals for the Orlando Magic? The Magic are 10 and 14, 2 and 6 since the last 15 and 60. Negative 3.8 net rating puts them 25th, 14th in offense, 28th in defense. And there was actually uh, an interesting anecdote. I'd heard things similar to this, but it was the, the best phrasing of what has changed with Aaron Gordon when they, cause, because a lot of times, you know, the visiting announcers actually talk to the players briefly. And Gordon said that he felt that he was shooting balls previously too late. Maybe it was that it was on the way down or kind of close to that. And so he's shooting it a little earlier in his motion now. And so that is a fundamental change he made over the offseason. And right, it's fallen off a little bit, but that in, you know, that it was expected. He's at 42.6% from three. And he's also shooting a career high 76.4% from the free throw line. So I, again, I don't think this is exactly where he's going to end up, but it does look fundamentally different. And he's also showing so much more confidence in it. Yeah, that's true. And while he is shooting the ball better he still is really operating mostly as a play finisher 46 percent of his offense comes either via spot up or in transition and as you might guess for someone shooting almost 43 percent from three he has been extremely efficient spotting up both driving but mostly on, on his catch and shoot jump shot but the one place actually he has not been as efficient in transition as in past years because he's taking a lot of threes in transition but aside from that then he's sprinkled around you know they talked about making him a pick and roll ball handler an iso score he has not been effective at either of those still but then little ways like getting on the offensive glass as a role man he 
he's been outstanding. They haven't used him that much. Mostly he just spreads the floor. But when he is the role man, he's very effective there. He can even come off of screens and shoot. He has 20 possessions doing that. And then in the post against smaller players, he's been able to be effective. So just sprinkling in these little bits of efficiency while generally what he's mainly doing is spotting up and getting out in transition. Um, so obviously I've really liked what we've seen from him. We even talked about him potentially as a dark horse, all NBA candidate. One thing that he has not been good enough at is rebounding. They just continue to really struggle on the glass with this team and getting down to 28th in defensive rate. I mean, that is just a massive disappointment. And even though Vucevic has been better offensively this year, he's kind of back to his usual levels, maybe even above it offensively. Now that he's taking all these threes. You just cannot have a good defense when Vucevic is out there. It's impossible. We'll see now with Terrence Ross being out, how the starting defense looks with more consistent starting minutes for John Simmons. He has reduced reduced a little bit in terms of his shooting performance it was it was looked unsustainably higher in the season down to about 34% from 3 48% from the field and even with that he has a career high in PER of 13.6 which is below 15 which is the you know kind of the the base the level there um partially because he's has a much higher usage rate and included in that is the highest free throw attempt rate in his career which is good because that's a place where he can be efficient yeah by the way for those who don't know how PER works it is normalized so that the average in the league is 15 but obviously you know we know it doesn't include anything really about defense other than blocks and steals and uh you know n- not much else to say on these guys really i mean this is just they have regressed the pacers have not you know we called it the regression bowl when those two teams played each other i guess that's less interesting than uh, the vogel bowl as well but a shame you know i was hoping that this team they had been pretty fun to watch maybe when john isaac comes back they can start to play better defensively as well i mean they really are incapable of putting any good defensive lineups on the floor at this point. Maybe like Gordon and Biombo, who have not played very much together. Their perimeter guys aren't that great, you know, Ross. But maybe if they were could get lineups with Peyton and Simmons and Gordon and Biombo, but he, Biombo hasn't even been that good defensively either. But uh, I'm hoping that Isaac can come back. I mean, this sprained ankle, nobody realized that it was he was going to be out for like, you know, a month almost it's been at this point. Yeah, it's it's a concern and they don't really have anybody else like him, which is what makes this even harder to take. And you said, I mean, it's hard to even conceive without him of a five-man lineup out there that, that is solid defensively. But I think we're ready to move on to the Raptors. The Raptors are 14 and 7, 4 and 2 since the last 15 and 60, still strong in terms of net rating and offense, plus 6.9 is fourth in the league fourth offensive rating and they're 11th in defense right now it's been an absolute resurgence for Kyle Lowry recall that early in the season we were fretting about his low free throw attempt rate which was in the teens now he's up to 26 percent again he's taking 62 percent of his shots from downtown though and true shooting which I believe would be the highest of his career easily is up to 63 percent now his usage still drops you know a couple percent every year it seems like but when you're shooting 41 percent from downtown and taking that many threes it really helps a ton and they've got just in general more three-point shooters on the scene we talked about that in the last 15 and 60 so aside from Lowry being back really it seems like which is good we thought maybe this was the year he was going to fall off but he is seems to be forestalling that for the time being I wanted to talk about uh OG Ananubi First of all, uh, the bad, only 20 assists on the season, but not a guy who is really asked to 
create a lot uh, for others but he has been very efficient 61 percent true shooting low usage 13 percent 20 is average uh, of course and 52 percent of his possessions come uh, via spot up and he's been has average efficiency but spot ups in general are an efficient uh, play type and aside from that he gets out in transition quite a bit and he's a wonderful finisher around the rim his shot chart he is 27 of 38 on shots at the rim and then has taken a mere seven shots on twos outside the restricted area all season one out of seven on those and then on three pointers he has taken 35 threes from the corners and only 20 above the break so really his role seems to be spot up in the corner we'll throw it to you and then either take that three or attack and I think he's looked pretty good attacking the numbers haven't been there he's only had 11 possessions doing that but he's got a nice move where he'll go to his right he usually likes to attack to his right but he's got a nice first step doing that off those spots and then if he's attacking middle from the left corner he likes to spin back to the right he even took two dribbles did it behind the back and pulled up for a jumper on Kyle Kuzma which he missed but it actually looked pretty good I love that he tries to dunk everything around the rim um really has been everything that they could ask for as he has been in the starting lineup ever since Norman Powell went out with a hip pointer and you have to imagine that he will hold on to that because they've really been looking for someone with the size at the three for so long on this team Danny what have you seen from him defensively defensively to me this is the other reason why he makes so much sense in their starting lineup because DeMar DeRozan is many things but a strong man-to-man defender is not one of them and so what you want is you want a a wing that you can put on the other team's best guy and slow them down in isolation and he did a nice job against James Harden he's done a nice job in a different a series of different matchups over time he's not a complete he is not a perfect defender but he's long he's athletic and he competes and so you can put him on whoever that guy is and that's not it's not a guarantee that that guy is going to have a bad night but it's better than the other options they have and we talked about this early in the season with this idea of like oh god is Norman Powell going to be that guy for them because it's definitely not CJ Miles and a guy who came into the season we didn't even know how much he was going to play due to that torn ACL has become that player for this team in conventional pick and roll defense he has not been that great uh, um directing the ball he won't be able to send the ball where it needs to go or so he'll end up wrong footing is big sometimes especially you know when it's Valanciunas kind of hanging back in the lane um they'll get a lot of separation by setting a screen on him he's not amazing getting over screens yet but as an iso defender he's really strong so you can't really get the advantage by trying to go through him um and he's got that 7-2 wingspan that hardened matchup that you mentioned I thought I went back and watched those possessions he forced tough misses when he avoided fouling um and if he can force any kind of a jump shot he always is going to surprise the guy with his length and he can avoid getting knocked backwards you know when a guy tries to go to a step back on him the one weakness i thought he had in isolation was just if a guy went in a straight line on him he could be beaten um just like a straight hard line first step dribble attack uh he, he was uh not as uh, effective there uh, last question i want to ask you about toronto danny do you think that this is their best team in this era if this lowry is if if it's close to what he is right now and i looked it up his true shooting is just about in line with last year he's a couple percentage points ahead of it if, if that's for real then yeah and i think a big part of why is just i like a lot of the depth guys on this team and they have more looks they can throw out yaka Pertles had a nice year when he's healthy delon Wright gives them another point guard option though 
Fred Van Vliet has had his moments certainly as well in DeLon Wright's absence. You know, having CJ Miles as an option when he- when healthy Norman Powell, I just think there's a lot that they can do out there. They're you know, it's it's strange to say that after they lost Patrick Patterson and you know PJ Tucker wasn't as impactful as we had hoped he would be. But yeah, I would say overall, I think there I think this is at least the most versatile the Raptors have been in this run. And Lowry's playing as well as he ever has, so sure. Yeah, and they have a lot of athleticism. They have the option to go with Serge Ibaka at center as well to space the floor a little more and just taking more threes more modern approach to the offense just i think just the knowledge that hey you know what like what we we're doing wasn't good enough and i think just the organizational commitment what Dwayne casey has done to up the three-point shooting up the ball movement we'll see whether it holds up in the playoffs we'll see when it holds up at the end of games but at least there's some hope now that they're not just going to be pounding the air out of the ball in every possession in the playoffs and getting stopped that maybe they can do something a little bit new and and the young blood and the athleticism helps with that Let's talk about uh, the Washington Wizards now. 12 and 10, 3 and 4 in their last seven. 3.9 net rating, which is sixth overall in the NBA. They have the seventh ranked offense and in probably the 10th ranked defense, which has really improved uh, since early in the season. But let's focus in on what they've done since it was announced that John Wall would miss at least two weeks for PRP injections uh, in that troublesome left knee. So they played four games, and all four of them have been against good teams. They collapsed late against Portland in that game we talked about a little bit. Then they had a a, a, a close win against the Wolves, where it was just kind of some some weird On the offensive road. stuff. On the road. Then they lost in Philly in a game where they were down 20 at halftime. We turned off the Twitter NBA show, and then they hacked a Simmons to get all the way back in it. And then they blew out the Pistons with a big third quarter. I think it was 33-18 to 18 or something like that. And so I, I think they've been better overall than I expected during that run. I mean, John Wall is is such an important part of making their offense work. But something that you noted is that a big part of this, and I would say to a degree, a part of their, their defensive improvement has been that their bench is better right now. Yeah, that's actually what's been winning them games. And now it's only four games, of course, but they've now had to unearth Thomas Sadoransky, who was not in the rotation. He arguably had, was played better than Tim Frazier. They've really struggled with Frazier in the starting lineup with the rest of their guys, in part because Frazier just doesn't get guarded. And Sadoransky has a 27.3 net rating over the last four games. And he's been getting to the rim and even has shot three out of four on three-pointers. He has been very reluctant to shoot, was in that first half of that Philly game, but hit a couple against Detroit. That's been big for his confidence. And all their bench guys have had great ratings. Jan Mahimi even was closing that game against Philly. He's been solid. They've defended extremely well with that bench unit. And... Meanwhile, we've seen their starters really get hurt and not be able to score at all. Part of that is Frazier. Part of it is that uh, their main guy is Beal uh, missed some time with uh, that laceration in the Philly game. And then Otto Porter, we really wanted to lock in on, could he expand his game? You know, he's been below 20% usage, but one of the most efficient players in the NBA. He has upped his usage to 24%, but ton of mid-range now uh, and he's basically below the league average in terms of efficiency in these last four games in the last four games he's taken 
36 shots uh, from mid-range only 10 at the rim and only 16 three-pointers so his shot selection just he's been trying to create a mid-range he's not a guy who's going to get all the way to the basket they'll send him off of screens as well and you know he's the same guy and I think he could still under normal circumstances with wall around up his shot selection a little bit to try to take more but going up into this 24% usage really shooting more often it doesn't seem to be working right now because just he's not really capable of generating shots on his own other than just right in the mid-range another guy who has similar shot distribution problems is Kelly Oubre. Oubre, who I have been and will continue to advocate should be as the starting four on this team. I just think that's a better role for him in this stretch without Wall. And again, he doesn't play with Wall as much because he's coming off the bench. He's taken 14 threes, 14 shots at the rim, and 23 shots in the mid-range. And he, you know, he he has some nice finishes in that range. And I'm sure that, you know, playing with Jan Mahimi as much as he has is, is not, a, not a big help there because Mahimi is not exactly a threat to do much outside of, you know, periodic dunk off a putback or something like that. But I still like Ubre's talent. I think he fits even better with that with that starting lineup than he does with the second unit. And I'm a believer in his potential. Yeah, Markeith Morris has not really been able to get going yet. He's shooting extremely well from three over 40%. But other than that, oh no, I'm sorry. That was Mike Scott. Never mind. <laughs> uh, he, he, was, he was right. He was right above him on, I had to like scroll over and it didn't go very well. Uh, but Markeith's still not shooting well either. Only 42% from the field. And a bigger concern for him, you know, we've noted that coming back from that hernia surgery has not looked the same athletically he is yet to dunk on the year and he's played 14 games he's like supposed to be this athletic power forward so i'm uh not impressed by what i've seen from him that's part of why i think maybe they should go with Ubre. but morris uh not exactly the coolest head in the locker room a, a lot of times so maybe they feel like they have to stick with him but you're right danny i mean that lineup with Ubre at the four rather than morris and the rest of the starters which we won't see for a while with, with wall out but it has just been absolutely killing it and they're starters with Markeith always a, a very effective unit in past years has not gotten it done nearly as well to this point in the year and a, a big part of the so the Ubre lineups have a, a they played some more minutes just because of Morris missing time at the beginning of the year the Ubre included starting five is plus 22 net rating and the and the Morris included one is plus 1.2 a big part of that is just that the defense was unsustainably good when Ubre was out there 92 is just nobody's ever going to keep that going but even then, they've been more effective offensively. And from what I see, I think that makes complete sense just because Ubre has a better sense of his fit in that ecosystem. And Morris has, you know, he has been worse defensively than, than he has been in the past. Yeah, I want to see what happens for, you know, they've got about a week still here with the, before Wall might be coming back according to that initial timeline. Really want to see how the minutes shake out between Sadoransky and Frazier since Sadoransky has outplayed him and he's got some more size and probably is even a better shooter, although that's uh, damning with faint praise uh, to be sure. You know, and I don't think Tim Frazier is a bad player uh, by any means, but I think Sadoransky is someone that Scott Brooks, for whatever reason, has not given enough of a chance to. The team has always played well when he's been on the floor in his now year and a quarter or so in Washington. Um, all right, that's going to do it for today. Great episode per usual. Thanks to uh, Liam for helping out with the stats. And if you want to support the show, you can check out the Dunked On merchandise. Go to nateduncanmba.com, hit the merchandise tab in the top. You might have to scroll over a little bit to find it in mobile because it kind of gets truncated. Uh, but we got some cool Dunked On hats, t shirts with the uh, 
fun slogans from the show on the back and also give us a review on itunes we're almost at a thousand reviews now which is uh, pretty amazing to think about so maybe you can be the thousandth review if you uh if you hurry and do it now all right that's enough shilling Uh, we will talk to y'all tomorrow night till then at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.